There are three important components to addressing value chain emissions. Those are measurement, materiality, and engagement. It's easy to see why measurement is very important, but is arguably one of the toughest things to do in all of climate action. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Welcome back to Smart Energy Voices. I'm John Fiella. Have you had a chance to leave us a review yet? If you haven't, I'd greatly appreciate it if you take a minute to share one on iTunes or your preferred podcast player. Today, we'll be covering a hot topic, reducing scope three emissions. As more organizations are making ambitious climate commitments, such as net zero emissions, many companies are grappling with the most effective way to address their scope three emissions, including those from their global value chains. At our recent Renewable Energy Forum, Smart Energy Decisions' Deborah Channel sat down with Catherine Canoy, Director in Three Degrees Energy and Climate Practice, who walked us through some practical steps that organizations can take to begin tackling their value chain emissions, including approaches and strategies for navigating common challenges. I hope her insights inspire you to take actionable steps in your own Scope 3 emissions reduction journey. Here's Deborah and Catherine. So here's what we want to talk about today. I know you all read my newsletter and our news every day. I have no doubt about that. So you've seen all the stories about all the companies that are making very ambitious climate commitments, a lot of them around net zero. And many of these companies are making these plans and these commitments without knowing exactly how they're going to reach that goal. And that's true, especially with the global value chain. So in this session, Catherine is going to walk us through some of the practical steps that organizations can take as they begin tackling these value chain emissions. We'll talk about various approaches and strategies for navigating some of the most common challenges that you're facing. So Catherine, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. And again, we're talking about value chain emissions and specifically the role that they play in a net zero strategy. And you come at this from both sides of the fence. Your experience is really interesting. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you've come to be with us today? Sure. Thanks, Deborah. It's great to be here. My experience on this topic goes back about 14 years when I joined the Walmart team in 2007 as a grad school intern before joining full-time. I joined that team just after they discovered about 90% of their total emissions fell outside of operational boundaries, which can be kind of eye-opening news. So that first summer that I was there, we embarked on our first supplier sustainability engagement. We gathered about the largest suppliers in seven different categories, which truly reflected my grad school priorities at the time of beer and soda and DVDs. So we gathered the suppliers by category and held in-person meetings to begin conversations about carbon measurement and reductions. And there was so much we didn't know at the time. The first supplier survey that we crafted was 
laughably simplistic. It was the same set of questions for all suppliers, big, small, ag, manufacturing, everyone got all the same questions. But as you know, luckily we did mature in our efforts and we learned so much from our suppliers, great consultants, the nonprofits that had patience and courage to work with us, and even from our Walmart customers. And now Walmart is arguably a leader in this space. And I'm sure a lot of this audience has heard from my friend Joby Carlson about the progress they're making towards Project Gigaton. But many of the challenges that we faced in 2007 with measuring and reducing value chain emissions remain the same today. I think that there are more resources and brain power focused on this issue. So help is more readily available. And now, 14 years later, as a consultant for Three Degrees, I get to help other companies navigate the topic. That's great. Coming from it from both sides again. That's terrific. Okay. So I want to start, and I'll admit I get confused sometimes. So let's let's set a level playing field and start with some definitions. So again, we're specifically digging in on value chain emissions as part of scope three. Define that for us. Sure. Thank you for asking, because I think it is important to cover these definitions frequently, since Google Translate does not yet convert greenhouse gas accounting language to plain English. So very quickly, a, a company's greenhouse gas footprint can be broken into three components. Those are called scopes. Scope one is the direct emissions from burning fossil fuels in your facilities, such as like natural gas for heating buildings. Scope two is the indirect emissions from purchased electricity and steam. And scope three are the indirect emissions from upstream and downstream activities that are outside of your operational boundaries, such as transporting, selling, using, and disposing of your product. And while I try not to be a stickler about semantics, there is a difference between supply chain and value chain. Supply chain refers to things that are upstream of your organization, so everything that it takes to make your product or service. Value chain means that is both upstream and downstream. And I'll mostly be using the term value chain today. I'm sure I'll slip up and use supply chain too, but I can make that definition a little more concrete when I jump into my presentation. And I'll admit I'm sitting here and I just wrote that down because that's a that's a really good way to phrase it. I understand that. So thank you. And since you've done so well with the definitions, I want you to keep teaching us. And talking to us in a way. So I want to turn this over to you, basically, so you can dig a little deeper on the value chain emission picture. Awesome. So there's a a helpful graphic from the pages of the Greenhouse Gas Protocol, which is a guide for measuring scopes one, two, and three emissions. It depicts the sources of each scope's emissions. And they're about seven times the number of potential sources of scope three emissions as there are for scope one. So it's really no wonder that many companies find the bulk of their footprint lies in that scope three in those value chain emissions. So to illustrate this concept, it's it's really easiest to think about a specific product. I once heard from a consumer packaged goods company that tea is one of the most frustrating products that they sell from a carbon perspective. So just pause for a second and think like, why would that be frustrating to a CPG company? And the bulk of the emissions were not in growing the tea leaves, though that was part of it. The bulk of the emissions are not in packaging it, transporting it, or selling it. The bulk of the emissions came from boiling the water to make that cup of tea. 
So this is really a case where you have to think about value chain rather than just supply chain. Now that we've got this definition, let me address a question that probably a lot of you are thinking, which is, why do I need to allocate resources and brain space to emissions that are outside of my operations? And I get this question a lot. I really do. Let's talk about why it's an increasingly important topic in corporate climate commitments. As part of the United Nations 2015 Paris Agreement, world leaders highlighted the critical importance of remaining at or under 1.5 degrees Celsius temperature change in order to avoid some of the more grim effects of climate change. And to back them up on that, the science of that, and to help understand what it would take to limit us to that 1.5 degree change, the United Nations invited the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, to write a report, which came out in 2018. And spoiler alert for those of you who have not read all 630 components to addressing value chain emissions. Those are measurement, materiality, and engagement. It's easy to see why measurement is very important. You know, what gets measured is managed and obviously very important, but is arguably one of the toughest things to do in all of climate action. And we'll get into that more in a minute. Materiality is the concept that you should focus your reduction efforts on the largest source of emissions in your footprint. But sometimes the largest source is not necessarily something that you can influence. For example, that cup of tea. So boiling the water for the tea may be the largest source of carbon, but converting consumer households to renewable electricity or natural gas would not be a practical use of that CBG company's time. And of course, suggesting a cold cup of tea is blasphemous. So materiality in this case would lead that company to focus on the second or third largest source of emissions where they likely have more influence. The third component of addressing value chain emissions is engagement, which is where you step out of your analysis paralysis and you talk to your suppliers, your vendors, and maybe even your customers about lowering their scope one and two emissions, which are your scope three. So let's dig into measurement a little more. It's essential for getting you pointed in the right direction for reductions. It's critical to measuring the success of your scope three initiatives. Industry life cycle assessments can be a great way to start. It's a place where you can discover the hotspots or the the largest sources of emissions in your value chain. And many products out there have existing LCAs that are publicly available, which is great. It's important to note, however, that available analyses use either industry average data, which is called secondary data, or it is specific to a product that might be slightly different than yours. Also, these papers often, they average out different fuel sources for their emissions. So it would be difficult to compare potential reductions from, say, like renewable energy. So a way to get one step more granular there is by measuring your scope three emissions using data that you have readily available. So you take your company purchases or your economic data And you multiply it by industry standard emissions. Again, those those sort of secondary data. And that's a completely acceptable way of measuring your scope three emissions. The challenge there is that 
when you do identify and roll out successful reduction initiatives, which I'm sure you will, you won't be able to quantify your successes if you continue using those industry standard emission factors. It just won't capture your success. So the idea then is to get more primary, supplier-specific information. For example, if members of your supply chain are using renewable energy, you want to know that and you want to collect that data. But of course, the challenge there of getting that primary data for the renewable energy case is that the carbon benefit of renewable energy is dependent on the location and the the conventional power that it's replacing. So members of your value chain may not have the resources or the time to gather the detailed information that you might need to make specific calculations for your scope three emissions. But that brings us to a very important point about perspective. You know the saying of walking a mile in someone else's shoes and how important that is? Well, it's just as important in climate action as it is in every other aspect of our lives. It might be easy to assume that uh, suppliers, vendors, your customers, that they're all on the same climate journey that you're on. I mean, after all, we're all responsible for scope three emissions now, right? So it's easy to think that. But sitting in a different place in the value chain can mean different pressures, different resources, and different amounts of leverage. And cost is typically top of mind for any new initiatives, including carbon reductions. So you'll need to reach the right decision makers to show them a business case for climate action. It can be overwhelming for you to reach out to your value chain and gather that information. But what I can tell you is that there are a lot more people working on it now than there were 14 years ago at the very least. There are tools out there. You don't have to use them. You can sort of go old school on it and just start asking questions. But there are a lot of great tools out there and a lot more knowledge about how to calculate your value chain emissions. So this is possible. It is important to realize that you'll have varying levels of influence on members of your value chain. It's oftentimes more successful to bait your value chain with carrots rather than trying to beat them with a stick, right? So maybe consider acknowledging some leaders in your value chain and tap them to influence others. And remember that not all value chain members have the level of resources that you do to work on climate action. If you can help them by providing expertise or longer contract terms or an opportunity to grow sales, you should consider that. There are lots of different levers to engage your value chain. And those levers fall into three main buckets. So product innovation. You can change the way that you make your product. You can sub in lower carbon inputs or you could influence across the value chain. You can change the way that suppliers manufacture your inputs, or you could help them get renewable energy in their supply chain, which is great. And then there's advocacy. You can team up with others in your value chain to advocate for policy that incentivizes climate action. If you're not seeing enough policy to help, to motivate others in your value chain, well then get together and advocate for that change. And we've seen a lot of progress through that type of advocacy work. And likely you're going to need a little bit of all three of these to really tackle value chain emissions. As we're wrapping up here, I know this was a quick talk, but as we're wrapping up, let me summarize this with a final thought. 
any comprehensive climate goal should include scope three emissions. And it is possible to address scope three with a combination of measurement, materiality, and engagement. But to meet those 2030 and 2050 goals, those big milestones, you do have to start today. If it's overwhelming and you don't know where to start, just remember that Walmart threw an intern at it and now look where they are, one of the leaders in the space. Thanks, Catherine, for joining us. And thank you, Deborah, for a great conversation. I'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for listening to the podcast and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. To learn more about how you can become a part of the next Smart Energy Decisions event, click on the link in the show notes for more information. We're honored to have the opportunity to share conversations with leaders of the energy transition like Catherine in this podcast, on our website, and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.